The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. Let us humbly confess our sins unto Almighty God. Almighty and most merciful Father, we have erred and strayed from thy ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against thy holy laws. We have left undone those things which we ought to have done, and we have done those things which we ought not to have done, and there is no health in us. But thou, O Lord, have mercy upon us, miserable offenders. Spare thou those, O God, who confess their faults. Restore thou those who are penitent, according to thy promises declared unto mankind in Christ Jesus our Lord. And grant, O most merciful Father, for his sake, that we may hereafter live a godly, righteous, and sober life. To the glory of thy holy name. Amen. The Almighty and merciful Lord grant you absolution and remission of all your sins, true repentance, amendment of life, and the grace and consolation of his Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. O Lord, open thou our lips. And our mouth shall shall forth thy praise. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Praise ye the Lord. The Lord's name be praised. Psalms 111 and 114, beginning on page 482. I will give thanks unto the Lord with my whole heart, secretly among the faithful, and in the congregation. The works of the Lord are great, sought out of all them that have pleasure therein. His work is worthy to be praised and had in honor, and his righteousness endureth forever. The merciful and gracious Lord hath so done his marvelous works that they ought to be had in remembrance. He hath given meat unto them that fear him. He shall ever be mindful of his covenant. He hath showed his people the power of his works, that he may give them the heritage of the heathen. The works of his hands are verity and judgment. All his commandments are true. They stand fast forever and ever, and are done in truth and equity. He sent redemption unto his people. He hath commanded his covenant forever. Holy and reverend is his name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all they that do thereafter. His praise endureth forever. Psalm 114 When Israel came out of Egypt, and the house of Jacob from among the strange people, Judah was his sanctuary, and Israel his dominion. The sea saw that, and fled. Jordan was driven back. The mountains skipped like rams, and the little hills like young sheep. What aileth thee, O thou sea, that thou fleddest, and thou Jordan, that thou wast driven back? 
ye mountains that ye skipped like rams, and ye little hills like young sheep. Tremble thou earth at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the God of Jacob. Who turned the hard rock into a standing water, and the flint stone into a springing well. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Here beginneth the book of Zephaniah. The word of the Lord which came to Zephaniah, the son of Cushi, the son of Gedaliah, the son of Amariah, the son of Hezekiah, in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah. I will utterly consume everything from the face of the land, says the Lord. I will consume man and beast. I will consume the birds of the heavens, the fishes of the sea, and the stumbling blocks along with the wicked. I will cut off man from the face of the land, says the Lord. I will stretch out my hand against Judah and against all the inhabitants of Jerusalem. I will cut off every trace of Baal from this place, the names of the idolatrous priests with the pagan priests, those who worship the host of heaven on the housetops, those who worship and swear oaths by the Lord, but who also swear by Milcom, those who have turned back from following the Lord and have not sought the Lord nor inquired of him. Be silent in the presence of the Lord God, for the day of the Lord is at hand, for the Lord has prepared a sacrifice. He has invited his guests, and it shall be in the day of the Lord's sacrifice that I will punish the princes and the king's children and all such as are clothed with foreign apparel. In the same day I will punish all those who leap over the threshold, who fill their master's houses with violence and deceit. And there shall be on that day, says the Lord, the sound of a mournful cry from the fish gate, a wailing from the second quarter, and a loud crashing from the hills. Wail, you inhabitants of Maktesh, for all the merchant people are cut down, all those who handle money are cut off. And it shall come to pass at that time that I will search Jerusalem with lamps and punish the men who are settled in complacency, who say in their heart, the Lord will not do good, nor will he do evil. Therefore their goods shall become booty, and their house is a desolation. They shall build houses, but not inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards, but not drink their wine. The great day of the Lord is near. It is near and hastens quickly. The noise of the day of the Lord is bitter. There the mighty men shall cry out. That day is a day of wrath, a day of trouble and distress, a day of devastation and desolation, a day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness, a day of trumpet and alarm against the fortified cities and against the high towers. I will bring distress upon men, and they shall walk like blind men, because they have sinned against the Lord. Their blood shall be poured out like dust, and their flesh like refuse. Neither their silver nor their gold shall be able to deliver them in the day of the Lord's wrath. But the whole land shall be devoured by the fire of his jealousy, for he will make speedy riddance of all those who dwell in the land. Here endeth the first lesson. My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. For he hath regarded the lowliness of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. For he that is mighty hath magnified me 
and holy is his name. And his mercy is on them that fear him throughout all generations. He hath showed strength with his arm. He hath scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He hath put down the mighty from their seat, and hath exalted the humble and meek. He hath filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he hath sent empty away. He, remembering his mercy, hath holpen his servant Israel, as he promised to our forefathers Abraham and his seed forever. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Here beginneth the twelfth chapter of St. Paul's Epistle to the Romans. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we, being many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith, or ministry, let us use it in our ministering, he who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be without hypocrisy, abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honor giving preference to one another. Not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints given to hospitality. Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse, rejoice with those who rejoice, and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Here endeth the second lesson. Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace, according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, to be a light to lighten the Gentiles, and to be the glory of thy people Israel. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen.
I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with thy spirit. Let us pray. O Lord, show thy mercy upon us and grant us thy salvation. O Lord, save the state. And mercifully hear us when we call upon thee. And do thy ministers with righteousness. And make thy chosen people joyful. O Lord, save thy people. And bless thine inheritance. Give peace in our time, O Lord. For it is thou, Lord, only that makest us dwell in safety. O God, make clean our hearts within us. And take not thy Holy Spirit from us. Almighty and everlasting God, who art always more ready to hear than we to pray, and art wont to give more than either we desire or deserve, pour down upon us the abundance of thy mercy, forgiving us those things whereof our conscience is afraid, and giving us those good things which we are not worthy to ask, but through the merits and mediation of Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord. Amen. O God, from whom all holy desires, all good counsels, and all just works do proceed, give unto thy servants that peace which the world cannot give, that our hearts may be set to obey thy commandments, and also that by thee, we being defended from the fear of our enemies, may pass our time in rest and quietness through the merits of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Light in our darkness, we beseech thee, O Lord and by thy great mercy defend us from all perils and dangers of this night, for the love of thy only Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Good evening to all. What thoughts about our lessons tonight? We begin in the Psalms, and Psalm 111 and 114 have a, an interesting contrast to them, or rather they have a complementary quality uh, seen next to each other. And in the first one, we have a, a meditation on the faithfulness of God to keep his covenant promises to Israel. Um, there's a, the psalmist reflects on how the Lord does not depart from, from you know, keeping the terms of, of, the, of the covenant despite the unfaithfulness of his people um, and continues to remain steadfast. And it suggests that whatever sort of variability there is um, in the experience of that covenant relationship, um, it isn't because the Lord is going, is waffling back and forth on whether he wants to actually be the God of his people. It is uh, always the case that it is the people waffling in their own hearts about whether or not they want to be in covenant relationship with God. In Psalm 114, um, it, it is a meditation on God's sort of effective um, sort of enacting of his covenant promises and the, and the mighty deeds that he has done to perform those, namely the, the people creating events of leaving Egypt and then entering the promised land. We get in 114 a kind of condensed picture of the Exodus narrative where you get um, the leaving of the, the, the fleeing of the Red Sea 
um, when Israel comes out of Egypt. Um, but then you also have the driving back and the uh, and the falling back of the Jordan River, which is a reflection on the entering to sort of conquer the promised land. And so uh, what's missing in between with, you know, is it, this is sort of like if you look at God's mighty actions to deliver his people and then to deliver them into the place he promised them. You know, this is the whole history of the Exodus narrative and the Torah kind of in a nutshell right there. But what what you know what we are missing from this of course is the people's part in this and this psalm invites us into a kind of meditation on where are the people we have israel leaving egypt god bringing them out of egypt and then god bringing into the promised land but we'll recall having been through that history in morning prayer over the last few months that the the history of the in-between is uh, quite complicated um, and the people fell to temptation in the wilderness and an entire generation was forbidden from entering the promised land was not any in the first generation except for Joshua and Caleb uh, who left Egypt that entered the promised land. And so you have sort of implied in, in, a, in a sort of hidden way that invites our meditation, those things um, in those just those two kind of marker events. Um, those who crossed the Red Sea were largely, except for two people, not those who crossed the Jordan River. Um, and that's a, um, again, a meditation on the um, infidelity of the people to observe the covenant in the wilderness. Um, uh, and then and then also it's a reflection on God's faithfulness to complete what he started, um, even though the people proved themselves to be, to murmur against him constantly and to fall back and wish to kind of come away from that covenant. And that's reflected, um, that imagery is very important as we go into the book of Zephaniah, as, we'll as we're, we're starting this book tonight, um, and it follows on the heels of our study of the book of Micah. Um, book of the book of Micah will recall is uh, you know a few decades earlier than this, uh, and it, it records all the problems that uh, are besetting Jerusalem in terms of how they've kind of grown lax in um, in performing covenant mercy to, uh, to, towards their neighbor. Um, in particular, they they will recall they confused the prerogative of Jerusalem of being the temple city as a kind of carte blanche um, permission to do whatever they wanted. Um, and, you know, there were there were evidence along the way that they weren't doing the justice of God. There were people suffering sort of economic disparities. There were people suffering um, from corrupted political systems. Um, and instead of addressing those things, largely they, um, they amplified those problems until those people who couldn't keep up with the machinations of the city just ended up being exiled from the city and having to go find homes elsewhere. Um, and Micah's keenly aware of that, of course, because he was out in the country watching them leave and resettle. Now, in, as we get into Zephaniah, the Lord has had it with Jerusalem. The warnings that Micah pronounced to the city were unheeded. They remained idolatrous and, uh, and compromising in their covenant faithfulness, and they remained um, unwilling to meet the demands of covenant love for one's neighbor. And as a result of that, God is going to judge the city of Jerusalem and the and the, the imagery of Zephaniah is an apocalyptic image that is reflective of a couple of things. It's reflective of the Exodus narrative, but it's mostly reflective of the kind of um, the kind of divine warfare that we see unfold in the book of Joshua, um, with the blowing of the horns and the sound of thunderous, you know, thunderous army um, surrounding the city. Except in this case, we have the horrible, ironic twist that. Uh, whereas the people of Israel came in and, you know, conquered um, the Canaanites and drove them out. Now another people is going to come into the promised land and conquer the people of Israel. They're going to conquer Jerusalem and lay siege to Jerusalem in a way 
that is invoking the same in imagery of Joshua going and sacking the city of Jericho as they enter the promised land. And so this horrific inversion of things is meant to, to, meant to communicate a couple of things. One, that this is not an accident of political history. This is not Israel just sort of like falling on the wayside of a more powerful people. This is God himself doing with the army of Babylon what he did with his own people as they entered the promised land. And so it shows God is, again, faithful to his covenant. And the experience that they're all about to go through in Jerusalem is, an, is a symptom of their own generational um, refusal to, to adhere to the covenant. And now judgment is going to come. But even so, Zephaniah is not going to leave them bereft of a message of hope that as there had been an exodus of the people out of Egypt, so there will be an exodus again of the people from Babylon as they come back to their land again after this season of judgment subsides. And the last thing we have for tonight is in our Romans 12 lesson, where we've just gotten done with an 11 chapter arc um, of Paul unfolding the covenant, the new covenant that has been instituted in Jesus's blood um, and this new covenant that is the covenant to end all covenants. Um, and that is the most perfect covenant that can be made because it was based on the most perfect sacrifice under the most perfect terms that could be provided for. Uh, and so what you have in this covenant is uh, this final covenant is a similar kind of set of exhortations that are about to unfold in 12. We've in one through 11, we've seen what are the terms? What has what has God provided for? What has God promised in all of this? What does this mean for everybody? And now as we start chapter 12, we start with that fun, logical pivot. Therefore, brothers and sisters, I exhort you by the mercies of God. Um, to do what? To live as the people who have been given the, this covenant blessing, who have been made people of this new covenant. And there's going to, you know, the whole history that's been unfolded in 1 through 11 of the history of the Gentiles, the history of Israel, is meant to communicate as well that it is, it is possible to uh, refuse to refuse covenant faithfulness under the covenant of Jesus Christ. And he warns the church at Rome of being that kind of people that grumble in the wilderness, so to speak, and, and, and entertain a divided heart in their faithfulness. Because like as not everyone who left Egypt entered the promised land, so not all who receive the initiation into the covenant of Christ's blood uh, may endure to the end and receive and, and obtain everlasting life in the kingdom. And so what's going to follow in these last chapters of Romans is going to be a series of exhortations to love one's neighbor to uh, uphold covenant righteousness as Jesus has, um, has as Jesus has instituted it to be in himself uh, and not to fall away from that to endure to the end because that is that becomes the most important thing now so for the rest of this book we're going to get what that looks like in detail so this is just a framing for this major pivot we're having in this book until we finish studying it in a couple of days And we'll go ahead and turn to our intercession now on page 590. Let's pray. Accept, O Lord, our intercessions for all mankind. Let the light of thy gospel shine upon all nations, and may as many as have received it live as becomes it. Be gracious unto thy church, and grant that every member of the same in his vocation and ministry may serve thee faithfully. Bless all in authority over us, and so rule their hearts and strengthen their hands, that they may punish wickedness and vice and maintain thy true religion and virtue. 
Send down thy blessings, temporal and spiritual, upon all our relations, friends, and neighbors. Reward all who have done us good, and pardon all those who have done or wish us evil, and give them repentance and better minds. Be merciful to all who are in any trouble. And do thou, the God of pity, administer to them according to their several necessities. For his sake, who went about doing good, thy Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. And the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Ghost be with us all evermore. Amen. Amen. Thank you all for joining in tonight, and thanks to Rochelle, my co-leader. Hope you have a wonderful start to your week. Thank you. Thank you. Have a good evening. Have a good evening. Thank you both. Have a good evening. So you got decollared, Father.